Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. And the Cyhawk Trophy makes its way back to Iowa City. Hey, everybody, welcome to our second live edition of Eye on the Hawks. And I've got the volume on my computer. What an incredible start. Everything's live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Mitch Fick now on mute. Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. 20 to 13. Copy and paste from last week in a lot of different ways for Iowa. Score early, protect that lead to the bitter end as the Iowa State rivalry uh, swings back the way of the Hawkeyes after Iowa State's win in Kinnick in 2022. Owen, oh, you were there with Curtis Fader covering everything, uh, your initial impressions of the Hawkeye win to go to 2-0. Yeah, I like the uh, the setup for today's show, being able to analyze this from our different angles, because I was there with Curtis, you guys were watching on TV. Just in general, I feel like watching sports, you get a different impression from hearing the broadcasters, hearing the announcers, seeing things from your perspective versus the one there on the field. So, look forward to this conversation today and what we both have to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, but initially, um, it seemed very similar to the Utah State game last week in terms of First two drives, come out there, put some good things together, um, score some points early, and just kind of protect the lead late, um, as Utah State did. Iowa State gets a, another a touchdown late in the fourth quarter to make it a little bit more interesting, but um, Iowa just protects that lead. Uh, initial, one initial impression, just getting more people involved in the offense. I mean, we saw a few more pass catchers yesterday, and uh, Deontay Vines getting a catch. Um, Hayden Large got a catch in that game. <laughs> um, to the delight of many. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> just uh, just getting getting a little creative out there, and I think that was nice to see for a lot of people. A few of us were saying on the sideline it was nice to see them at least take some different looks, get some pe- different people involved, and uh, spread things out a little more. I don't think anybody would paint Iowa as having a wealth of riches on offense so far. Obviously, some sparks, but spreading the wealth where they can and how they can, certainly a, a great thing to see. Mike, your impressions as well, watching uh, watching on TV like I did. Yeah, I liked how Owen said, you know, and it definitely rings true when you're on the sideline, some things are harder to see, especially on the Iowa sideline when there's not a lot of room, Uh, as opposed to watching a broadcast, you can see kind of more of the defense and whatnot. But yeah, I'll echo what Owen said, Um, jump out to an early lead, you know, didn't, I don't think they sat on it on the lead, you know, they tried to make some moves late, some deep passes and stuff like that. They just didn't execute. That's, you know, the word they say after the, all the press conferences, but um, you know, Things got a little dicey there, you know. Iowa State could have tied it in the in the last last quarter, but the defense did hold. So, uh, a lot of things to improve on the offense wise. I think the defense played great, uh, letting them get some yardage and, and not breaking over the top. But yeah, yeah, the offense uh, again flashing early. That big fifty nine yard run for Jazz Patterson. This may be framed as the Jazz Patterson game. A, a, a nice debut for him. We saw those flashes against Kentucky in the bowl game. Really had a big play there, and then of course scoring in the the lone offensive touchdown for the Hawkeyes uh, in that drive as well. Uh, just a great start overall for uh, for the Hawks. But again, didn't do a whole lot, at least in terms of points. Uh, the rest of the way, the flashes still not maybe all the way there. Uh, Connor Colby on the offensive line and Caden McNamara talking about the progress, the continued progress of the offense during the post game. We still got a lot of growth, you know. I mean, every day we go out to practice trying to improve on what we have to do and what we have to do for this team, you know. But we're just slowly building on that every week, every day, just trying to be the best we can be. Progressing. I think, you know, we're, you know, some of our scheme is definitely different, you know, from what we've 
run in years past, but I think um, really from that standpoint, I think we're getting better. You know, I think we're closing the gap. We are able to see, I mean, some things that came out today was stuff that, you know, that kind of, kind of caused by surprise. And that's gonna come, come along at times. And, you know, we're still early, but I think, you know, we're able to see the level that we're able to play at in pressure situations on, you know, third down. And, you know, when they're bringing cover zero, that's two teams in a row that tried bringing cover zero on us and we responded really well. So I think, you know, we're still progressing. And I think, you know, that's just our mindset and we're just gonna continue to get better. We definitely still have a lot of room to improve. I know that we had some miscues today that, you know, some of us want back. I mean, I know I should have, you know, I'm, I gotta go buy Deontay Vines dinner because I miss him on that go route. But, you know, there are some things we still gotta get better at, but I think just overall, just us continuing to grow together and really just how passionate they are about getting better is, I think it's, it's shown on the field. One positive to be taken away, especially from this, is the fact that this made the rounds on Twitter a little bit that after the game, Matt Campbell said that this was the best he thinks his cycling team has played against yeah. the Hawkeyes in the history of their, not in the history of the road, but in the time that he's, he's been, been the coach there. Yeah. I wouldn't so, argue that at all. They, they looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. Rock, uh, Rocco Beck is the guy there. Sure. He, um, really good. he was very but impressive. Yeah. Just, just the fact that, like, Iowa was still able to take ISU's best shot under Matt Campbell sure. and still able to weather it and get a 20 to 13 win, I think is a major positive um, against a team like Iowa State that's going to have one of the best defenses, especially in the Big 12 this year. I think Cade pointing out that they're still progressing. Let's remember Cade missed two weeks of camp, so really these first two weeks of the season are him maybe making up for those missed two weeks of camp. So right now going into Western Michigan, is probably where people were expecting, I'm sure he was expecting too, of where he'd be having everything under his belt going into the beginning of the year. Instead, he'll do it two weeks late. The flashes have certainly been there. Again, he talked about missing the go to Deontay. There was that one to, to Seth that would have been a 91-yarder that, boy, was just a, a little long. And you could even see um, Brian Ferens and them kind of chuckling a bit on the side. Like, they knew. They, they know they're close there. Had the big gainer to, to Lachey as well. There was uh, maybe a little bit of an underthrow to Nico on the pick. You were talking about, oh, there was a uh, little hands and whatnot in there. I, the officials seemed to call the call the coverage pretty 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 evenly both ways. There was a talk about Deshaun Lee on one on the opening drive that you know there was a bit of an arm bar by the receiver, but people were wondering. I, they they called it pretty fairly there. Yeah. Um, you heard from Connor Colby too. Iowa's pass protection is friggin' fantastic. I mean, yeah. he you could have put a sleep number bed back there for Cade sometimes. I mean, he just, had, he just had that halo around him. He, he was great. Jazz Patterson, that big block he had where he's diving to the side to block two yeah. dudes, he was, he was great. Uh, run blocking again, sprung a, a nice big 59-yard run there, a couple of more, couple more windows of daylight there. But, boy, that pass protection. If, if you're talking about it's this It's like old, night and day. That, yeah. that the, pass protection. The pass protection and the fact, that, the fact that Cade, I mean, I don't want to take a shot at you know Spencer, but let, the, you have – full confidence that Cade can make a throw when you didn't last year. And that's when I think when Cade says, you know, they played cover zero, that's basically no safeties over the top. They probably, a lot of teams did that against Iowa last year and Iowa couldn't beat them. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, Cade can, so that's going to have defenses down the line adjust. Just as a shooter, I was uh, made aware of that by the fact that, you know, they do a play action fake and take the handoff and then Cade would drop back. And he had so much time in the pocket sometimes that I was like, 
Did I miss a handoff? Is he is the he ball somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, there's too much time has elapsed, surely, that he can't still have the ball, but surely he still did have the ball and was looking for a pass. There were a few instances he needed to move his feet, and he moved, I mean, for a guy who we keep talking about, he's banged up, moved mm-hmm. decently well, but yeah, there were times that you almost wonder, like, did the camera just not move? Because <laughs> he's just standing there flat yeah. foot. I mean, he's on his toes, but he could be flat footed if he wanted. Uh, he was great. A guy who kept his foot, feet moving quite a bit. Jazz Patterson, again, we'll go back to him. A huge game, that 59-yard run, uh, the biggest play of the year so far for Iowa. No explosive plays for Iowa against ISU last year. They have one their third play of the game. On a third and short, boy, they had a lot of success on third and short. We'll talk about that uh, a little more going ahead. But here's Jazz the man having his breakout game and how he felt about everything against Iowa State. But when I got in, I just took advantage of my opportunity. So that's really what it was. I mean, my emotions run wild. I, I didn't think, like, I was going to do this, but I did. I mean, I prepared for it. So it's like, it's just crazy to see it happen. Um, I just kept my head down every day and I just worked because I knew like my time would come. And like when it come, I'm going to show up. And I, I just work every day. Like, it don't matter. Like, I know anything could happen at any time. Any running back could get injured. So I just think about it like that. All right, we had people in the chat asking about this block, so we're going to look at Jazz. Goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> goes horizontal. <laughs> Couple of them. Uh, and I think he, he said in the, in the post game there, Owen, that he, he knew what he was knew doing. He knowingly contorted. Uh, but that, that's huge, again. And you see even Cade with a little bit of footwork there to, to step back a bit. And that's. It's a minor thing like but from Cade, but it makes things a double. huge difference. And I think that's a sack last year. Uh, and it's a first down this year. So yeah. yeah, they even asked Jet. Like it's almost like the the writers thought that that was like an accident. Like he went for one block and just kind of accidentally took it out. These running guy, backs know exactly <laughs> what they're doing. Jet when it was comes like, to that. no, that was that was intentional. I saw them both coming. And again, that that's the difference between a, a big gainer there and a sack. Yeah. It, it changes it changes everything. So a huge huge play again. It's little things like that on the Iowa offense that make a difference. I know I was texting with some friends and you know. I'm kind of torn on, you know, whether to be encouraged or be like, oh, you know, I, I'm expecting more from the offense. But um, little things, Iowa's offense isn't going to go out there and, and hang a 70 burger. Just it's not going to happen. Um, but these are really good improvements, things you, you see that makes you think by the end of the year, hopefully the offense is where Hawkeye fans want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as far as encourage versus discourage, I don't know if this will be something we get to more ahead, but. I would say I definitely took a little bit more encouragement, you know, compared to the Utah State game after what I saw yesterday. I did put a poll out there just to close a little bit ago. Thanks to everybody who weighed in on it. Just two games in, how are we feeling about Iowa? I gave out three choices. There you go. Optimistic, discouraged, or existence is pain. Because, um, you know, you got to keep things level-headed. I was pleasantly surprised. More than half people responding say they're optimistic. Again, I think... Maybe there's a little more acceptance after we get through that first game glow of, like, things are going to be different. Look at all the people... like. Iowa is Iowa. That's what they're going to be. If they get out to a big lead, don't expect them to dogpile on. They're going to not go full shell, but they're yeah. they're not going to, they're going to take a few shots. We've seen it, but for the most part, like again, going to the final final drive of the game, which I think is why Campbell was burning time so much going before that 2013 score. Just hey, like we're just going to run these three plays. Even on third and one, you could have gone play action, maybe throw it, pick up the first down. You don't want to risk, though, an incompletion. Make Iowa State save that timeout. Uh, they're going to do what they're going to do to get through the clock, get out with a win. Um, so I'm glad to see optimism because, again, there's been uh, more explosiveness. A few more. I mean, they've got four offensive touchdowns through two games. They had one last year. 
They had more safeties than touchdowns uh, <laughs> through two games last year. That so one so, was set up by a blocked punt in the, inside the 20. So Yeah, yeah. Logan Lee, awesome, awesome, awesome play. Uh, and I think a lot of the people that are discouraged, and I, I would say that I was in the same boat a little bit just in the mindset coming in. I think that when they got Cade McNamara in the offseason, I think a lot of people – possibly myself even included, thought like, boy, this guy's going to come in and he's going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns every game. Like, he's just going to light things up. And, and you know, it's not like Kirk or Cade ever said anything to really give us that impression truly, but I think that that was just maybe an assumption that some people had. And so that's why maybe there is a little bit of discouragement thing like, oh, why isn't this guy just like absolutely torching defenses with every single throw? You know, Cade had 123 yards, and he yeah. did miss, and he mentioned it himself, he missed two deep throws, uh, one to Seth, one to Deontay Vines, that if they hit on that, that's two more touchdowns, and maybe it gets him close to three, 300, it'd be like 250. So it's those things that I don't know if he's still you know, trying. I know he mentioned he's not 100%, and he hopes to be next week or the next few weeks, but if he can connect on those long balls, that's kind of the Iowa offense, those big chunk plays, you know. Yeah, I, um, everyone was talking about that, that stat that Fox Sports put up. When Iowa has an eight-point lead since 2015 with their 63-2, and two, was that it? I think I missed that. Oh, man, it was all over the papers. Um, <laughs> and the, only, the only games I could think, the first one off the bat, I think this, the, this, the most, the farthest back one was 2018 Penn State. They lost 30-24, to 24, I believe they led. Uh, at some point, what was the score? Let me check the game cast. They were up 12 nothing at one point. Uh, remember they had that crazy fake where Sam Brinks caught one from Colton Rastetter, the fake punt in Happy Valley. So they're up 12 nothing. they blow that lead. And then uh, 2020, Spencer Petras' first or second career start, they got up 17 nothing on Northwestern, the 50-pass game. Mm. Uh, of course, after losing that game, they didn't lose for more than a calendar year. So those are the only two times since 2015 that Iowa's had an eight-point lead at some point and blown it. Uh, so again, that goes back to you get up to the lead they were at and you don't really need to do a whole lot else except what you've been doing yep. to, uh, to get those wins. Well, we mentioned again, uh, the return of the Doughboys, so to speak. We talked about a defensive touchdown, uh, big play on this, de- on this day for the defense from Seb Castro, pick six that really, you can start the cars, it felt like, after that one. Uh, all due respect to, to Iowa State, but again, we know what this team can can do with a lead. Again, Rocco Breck made some big, big throws. Rocco Beck, I should say. We have a friend named Hannah Breck, that's why. I've got the Breck name in there uh, from Benton County. Uh, he looked good on, on third down, made some big throws, but again, when it came down to it, I was able to make that stand. But Seb with the big play, talking about his pick six. Uh, boy, we saw flashes of him in the Music City Bowl, just like we saw Jazz. And Seb, when he needed to, stepped up in a big way. Uh, it was really like slow motion. Um, they had motioned over and uh, just read it the whole way. I saw the quarterback take his steps, and I just went to my progression. And, uh, it felt like practice. It was, it was really slow down. And, uh, Something I'll never forget because I, I saw the ball coming real slow, caught it, take it in, bring it in, and then uh, bring it home, bring it home. Yeah, uh, we preach the whole week of practice, score, score, score. So if we get a pick in, against the scout teams, we're trying to bring that back to the end zone because every point matters, and uh, we're we're always trying to just uh, score ourselves to help, help the entire team. So just uh, the way we practice has led up to that point. So. You know, to, for them scoring points is like, you know, I'm, I'm just like, 
I guess it's like normal around here, but I'm just like not used to a defense like score points. Like that's like, and for them that's normal. And I think that's awesome. I mean, for them to have our back, you know, like that, it's huge for, you know, when maybe when we're not scoring at times, but I think overall the, the defense, they just continue to play their best. And, you know, they're making us better too because in practice we're able to go against one of the best defenses in the nation. It's been so cool. I, I, the first few times that Cade talked to the media, at least from what I could see, just really stoic, not frowning, but just, you know, he has been beaming after these first two guys. I think this is a kid who is just happy to be back out there playing after a year away. You know, the scare about a month ago at the, the scrimmage, what he did to his leg. He just looks like he is having a blast, even if the numbers aren't the sparkling things that some people were hoping for. I mean, he, he's back on the field playing football, and it's just been super fun to see that, and also super fun to see him realize, oh, the defense can help, help the me offense out. too. Yep. Yeah, they pretty got cool. my back. Awesome to see. Of course, a huge, huge play in that final drive, and uh, this was kind of pointed out in the broadcast as well, that it, it was going to have to be an Iowa guy that was going to step up for Iowa to help stop Iowa State from that potentially tying drive. So you had Cooper make a tackle, Joe Evans had a great PBU, and then Ethan Herkett comes up with the stop of his life. Yeah, one of the most interesting things, I don't know, again, if this was evident on the broadcast, but that second down play that they ran, I think they picked up nine yards or so on that second on second like down that, of that yeah, drive. Game. They announced in the stadium, the announcer was like, that's good for another Cyclone first down. Really? Yeah, like they thought it was that close that they got a first down on that play. And then he had to say like, oh, correction, it's third and one. And so it was almost like an assumption, like, oh, the, like they're good to go. They got another set of downs here. And then it was almost like they, I don't know if they got frazzled or something, but then, yeah, Evans comes in with a PBU and then her, her then, sorry, is it Herkett? Herkett? Ethan Herkett. Herkett comes in with that huge tackle. He had a couple tackles yesterday, but he again, com, had, coming on the scene now. He, ironically enough, two years ago this week, going into the third game of the season, blew out his knee. Mm or had some sort of lower leg injury. I believe it was knee, talking to him uh, earlier this year. Missed the rest of the year. It was his redshirt freshman season. Came back last year, started to get in the rotation a bit, had a couple flashes here and there, and then he really hit his stride yesterday. Uh, kid out of Xavier, uh, again, one of those former Saints on the on the Hawkeye roster, but just super, super cool. Again, you know, sometimes these guys put on pads and helmets and we forget they're, they're human beings. And we yeah. forget those human stories. I, Boy, and I talked to uh, Jamari Harris, who will be back for Western Michigan this week, too, after sitting out a couple games. Missing a year and being on the sidelines can be a lonely place. Mm -hmm. And to see these kids come back and start thriving again after having to sit back and rehab, and that's a scary time, too. You're wondering if you're ever going to get back to where you were. Uh, just such a cool moment and etches his name in Cyhawk history and a, and a tackle that wraps yeah. up the 200th win for Kirk. <laughs> it's so true. And one of the beautiful things about that last drive for Iowa State and those last two plays for Iowa is that it comes from, I don't want to say totally unexpected sources, but you know it wasn't Cooper DeGene out there making the game-winning tackle. It's like you got Joe Evans who had – I mean, that was obviously such a huge game for him and, um, you know, coming back to his hometown and playing in a stadium that he grew up right close to. I mean, he, he had a decent game yesterday, five tackles, I think. He was everywhere, though. I feel like he had some big pressures that, really? you know, don't show up in the stat sheet, but he, yeah. he 
he was playing like this was his last Cyhawk game but, in his hometown. But he gets he gets that that uh, just pass break up there right at the line of scrimmage, and then I, I mean, who who would have guessed that Ethan Herke is the one who makes the game winning <laughs> tackle? I mean, all respect to Dwayne Schulte's boys there on the defense, <laughs> but I would not have expected Herke to be the kid who comes in there and makes a game winning tackle for Between loss. Between Ethan making a tackle like that and Quinn Schulte inexplicably getting. You didn't get see this on the broadcast. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Quinn had close-ups from the ground cam for like 11 to 12 seconds sustained hmm. for no explained reason. <laughs> I think he People made a tackle get, afterwards, but they, they had him on for like 10 seconds. Saying and, anything about him? Or well, just, they brought, they, I just, think they mentioned his name, didn't they? Just like this shot. Yeah, it was like a really close-up. Just, <laughs> just why not? The Midwest getting lost in Quinn Schulte's <laughs> eyes. Uh, but again, <laughs> Ethan Herkett's tackle wraps up the 200th career win. For Kirk Ferentz as a head coach, 12 during his first stint as a head coach at Maine, and then the other 188, I believe I'm doing that math yep. right, uh, at Iowa. What a ride it's been as a Hawkeye here in his 25th season. So Kirk on what 200 means to him. You know, the uh, you know, 200th part, you know, um, I don't keep track of that. You're not going to assure you, but somebody said something a week ago about, you know, coming up the tunnel, it's 199, and then uh, the media people will visit with them during the getting ready for the broadcast midweek, you know, same thing. So, uh, in a long story short, just, you know, really uh, feel feel very honored and very appreciative, uh, fortunate, and, you know, whether it's football, life, it really doesn't matter to do something that's, you know, has some significance. No, nobody gets there alone, and certainly in football, that's the way it works. So, I just think about it, you know, 40-some years ago, I landed in Iowa, not even know where, the, where I was, uh, quite frankly, or what I was about to walk into, and Commonality overall this time has just been around good people with good leadership on campus, worked with great coaches and great support staff members and most importantly players. And that's players win games. So that's never going to change. You know, you got the right guys. You know, we got a bunch of guys in that locker room. Really, you know, thrilled to be with these guys today to have that happen. And uh, a guy like Dallas Clark in there, I guess he got kicked off the sideline. I can understand why. Uh, but anyway, you know, have him in there too. It's just, you know, past and present. So pr- pretty neat. And, uh, be a good ride, good ride home. I mean, you know, it's not something you, 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 nobody gets into, at least I don't think they get into coaching for that reason. You know, you get into it because of the people and, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, again, I never uh, certainly got into it for that reason. Uh, wanted to win enough so I can keep my job. I got to figure that out, believe me. Uh, but it's more about the, the experiences and the people you get to work with and uh, whether it was that group right there or even going back to 99, you know, it just, uh, uh, a lot of good people. A lot of good people have come through this program, and you know it's a thing I don't think it was any different than in the, in the '80s either. So, I've always felt really uh, fortunate to have a chance to work with quality folks. I think he was answering your question there. What was your uh, your inquiry to him for that answer? I just said to him because. Uh, before Kirk came into the press conference, all the players had come in through there. We talked to whatever, five or six guys, yeah. and it seems like each of them said something about, like, boy, he was really emotional in the locker room. I came in, I came around the corner, and you could see the tears in his eyes, that kind of thing. And so I think I just asked him, like, you know, your players talked about the emotion that you had coming in. What is it about this moment or this game that, that made you feel maybe more emotional than, than other ones? And so that was, that was his response there. We've seen, uh, well documented now that there's a video crew all over the place for Iowa, but he the emotions have become more apparent and more frequent, at least as far as we can tell on the outside over the last few years. And I think to his point, yeah, you don't get into coaching and be like, I'm going to win 200 games. I mean, you're chasing certainly, hopefully success, whether that's titles or championships, whatever it may be. Um, 
But yeah, I think he, he's always said he would just be a teacher if mm-hmm. not just be a teacher, not to slide anything, but like <laughs> Pay the he, teachers. he wouldn't he wouldn't have he wouldn't have a high profile job if it weren't for for this going it the way it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of coaches, I know um, covering other coaches in the past, they'd be like, yeah, I'd you know, be yeah. teaching somewhere. And just I would be working with young people trying to to make the future better through what I can give to them. And yeah. uh, I think, yeah, I'm sure he's getting getting overwhelmed thinking about what does 200 wins mean and not just in terms of success but sustainability and staying in one place for so long and the thousands of lives that you get to impact through that whether it's through the successes or through the really rough times too i mean that's a journey yeah and i i understand his his desire to downplay the 200th win just because at the end of the day it's it's a benchmark with a nice round number, but you know it doesn't really mean anything more than win number one ninety nine sure. or anything else. I mean, when when you get to wins that are like he passes whatever Hayden Fry on the wins list mm-hmm. or somebody else on the Big Ten coaching wins or something like that, that is a little bit more like significant or really does mean something. This is just a round number that we've decided <laughs> means something significant. But I think he does get emotional. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'd be curious to see him after every game if he has the same kind of emotions out there. I think. M- it was maybe Mike and I when we were driving to Nashville for the bowl game in December that we were saying like it, it could be just biology in him because as men get older they do get more emotional um, as their testosterone dips as we get into the science portion of the Eye on the Hawks podcast. <laughs> as testosterone goes down they become more emotional. I've seen that with family members of mine and with other colleagues and stuff that you just cry easier and things like that and so I think that's a little bit of what's going on with Kirk as well um, just because I think a lot of people wade into it. Oh he's, he's reaching the end of his career or something like that and it's I think it's more so just something that comes with age. You, um, A, just become naturally, biologically more emotional, and just he's become maybe more reflective as well. Yeah. Just looking back, he's been at, at Iowa for 25 years. He sees um, some of the differences that he's made and looks back at uh, some of the differences he's maybe made over the years. I think, yeah, the more the more you see, the more you are able to reflect. You have more to reflect on. And I think, I mean, we're not as old as Kirk, but I, I've, and I've noticed I've gotten my mid to late 30s, like, yeah, I'm prone to a few more tears. I'm an uncle now, so you get to watch nieces and nephews grow up, and you just, yeah, everything, yeah. you get a little bit clump there a little <laughs> bit. Um, and I, I know you're, I don't know if you're the same, Mike, but I know you've got nieces and nephews, and yeah, you just, yeah. You, you see more, we've seen more of the world, uh, even in our own little bubbles. And I, I know, um, going back to the teaching parallel, because um, that's what coaching is teaching. It's just headsets and more yelling than normal yeah. teaching. Uh, my mom was a preschool teacher for 25 years and she still sees kids around. Mitch Keller was one of her students at right? our preschool. Wow. And so she, you know, when she gets reflective about how many hundreds of kids, you know, three and four years old go through, I mean, yeah, you, you get emotional about the journey because you're, you, and you hear this from so many coaches talk about, they are more proud of seeing their student athletes succeed and I'm sure Sam goes to teacher, seeing your students succeed than anything you could have achieved in your academic career, your athletic career. Mm-hmm. Seeing what grows beyond is yeah. always the, the most fruitful thing. A, a, a comparison or a parallel I like to tell is from my time when I was a reporter in Sioux City. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to make it as short as I can. We were down in Florida for the national championship game as Morningside was playing in the NAIA title game. Uh, one of their players got named the national player of the year, Trent Solzma, for the Sioux City fans out there, was named national player of the year. And... Uh, one of my colleagues, who who was in his late fifties, early sixties, went over to um, Trent's parents and like gave him a hug afterwards, and he was like, like bawling afterwards. Yeah. And I, so afterwards, I mean, I knew him well enough that I went up to him after the fact and was like, <laughs> "Boy, you were <laughs> really emotional there Couldn't for a while." Noticed. And he was, like, he was like, "It's going to happen to you too, Owen. One day, just trust me." He's and he said that same thing where he's like, "Just I find myself as I've gotten older, just like I'll I'll start." 
crying at the drop of a hat. It was mainly because Trent, when he was in high school, he'd been very especially kind to this colleague's daughter sure. um, who, who didn't have a lot of friends. And so Trent was a really nice guy to her. So that was a little bit part of it. But he's also just like, I'm just an old man and I'm emotional now. <laughs> That's also the Soulsma family. I went to school with his brother Alex. And yeah, just those are fantastic folks, yeah. the Soulsma family. I, I'm curious to ask, because another question I asked to Kirk was about like, do you remember your first win, the first one that you had? He had a I, great answer too, yeah. I know. I, I'm a little bummed because I meant it as his first win at Maine, like, you know, going back to whenever that sure. was. Sure. 1990, was that? Something that like happened? that, yeah. Um, Late 80s. And, and so he answered it as his first Iowa win, which, whatever. Um, I had to check that after the fact, like, oh, no, that was the Iowa win. I, I'm curious if you guys remember, because we're all a similar age. Do you remember Kirk's first win when they I beat Illinois? Illinois or, or I don't either. I started watching um, the 2001 season. Okay. As I, when I was, you know, that age, I was more of an NFL fan mm. when I was, like, eight, yeah. or when he first started uh, coaching, yeah. eight or nine. And... Uh, I remember watching it with my dad. The Texas Tech uh, Alamo Bowl was one of the first games. I, I remember watching an upset win over either Northwestern or Michigan State in 2000 okay. when they won three games, I think, whatever game, and then the players jumping in a big pile. But um, but no, I don't remember the Northern yeah. Illinois game. That was that was kind of my next uh, question was just like your first memory of Coach Ferentz, if, if there's anything that stands out. Just again, as I've said, like I was – I'm kind of a kid who grew up with out-of-state parents and so wasn't like raised a Hawkeye fan or anything. So Kirk's name didn't mean a whole lot to me until I kind of started following in the 02 season. Sure. But I don't know, for you guys who grew up around the Hawkeyes a little bit more. Probably 02. I, so you guys know this. I don't know if viewers do. I was raised a Minnesota fan. My dad's from Northeast Iowa, had family in the Twin Cities. So uh, it was maroon. I, when people talk about like the teams in Iowa and the early 2000s, I'm like, yeah, but Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney, I mean, you guys remember that? <laughs> Thomas Taipei was an incredible fullback. Asad Abdul-Kalik was, a, they, that team just ran the ball down people's throats, talking about Greg, Greg Esslinger and Mark Sederstrom on the O-line. So I knew way more about gopher football than I did Hawkeye, mm. but I do remember being at the Metrodome in 02 for the win that, you know, you had people holding their roses in their teeth because people thought they were going to go to the Rose Bowl, they go to the Orange Bowl. Uh, but I do remember that and just being like, even as what I was 15, 16, and 02, 16 years old, I guess, and just being like, that that team's good, and whatever they're doing seems to be pretty great. And obviously, I knew the names, like reading the papers and things like that, but that was my first real full exposure that I can remember really well um, of, of just what was being built in Iowa City and yeah. what was happening there. And, and I suppose for fans that are watching live or are sounding off in the comments, as it were, I mean, feel free to drop a early memory yeah, of your parents. I'm curious do. to hear about that from the 99-2000 seasons when Iowa had... Uh, a few more struggles, as as Kirk said, there was a little bit more time passing between <laughs> between win number one and win number two. But for sure, I, I think we had some sound from the players as well that we were going to hear, hear after the game. Yeah, certainly, and a few a uh, few Iowa born players in here just reflecting on what it means to be part of that two hundredth win for Coach Ferentz. It's awesome, you know, when when you come to the locker room and you see you see tears in his eyes. Um, he's a guy that, that gives it gives his all to us. Um, I I do anything for for him. Uh, you know, I love I love him to death. So and so so do a lot of these other guys. Oh, it's great. It's great. My coach is a great person. I mean, I love like see him happy, but when he cried, kind of made me like get emotional. I mean, but he's a great coach, so he deserves it. I didn't even know this was gonna be uh, Kirk's uh, 200 win until I got into the locker room, and then just to see the the, the look on his face, uh, knowing that uh, we all we all like contributed to like just to do that for him. And for this team, and like, because we're all in this together. I mean, we all love that guy. He's a great coach, but he's an even better person off the field. You know, he's always checking in on us and stuff. 
you know, there's no one that deserves it more than him. Oh, it's huge. It's so much fun celebrating with him. He's getting a little emotional. There's so many guys that, uh, new guys coming in, they love the energy too. So uh, just great, great team win, great opportunity to be able to celebrate that with uh, Coach. Yeah, I mean, this was just an unbelievable team win. And I think, you know, the guys were so excited just to get to the locker room and celebrate with Coach. I mean, to be a part of a team with the greatest coach, I mean, he cares about us so much. And for us to be on the field and be a part of this, this team with the 200th win. I mean, I'm just truly honored to be a part of this team. Was Kate about to call him the GOAT? <laughs> I thought he was about to say something like that. The Pretty greatest, I mean, dot, dot, dot. It's uh, 200 kind of speaks for itself. And again, Kirk will deflect to, to players, but boy, any coach who's won that long and you go look down the, the list of coaches that have won 200 games and mm -hmm. you know all of them and you, you define them by success and longevity certainly i think i think they, moment. they talked about it on college football final last night but is there what six active coaches who have 200 that wins sounds right like that? Like that. it's uh it, it's quite the achievement but speaking of achievements bringing back the cyhawk trophy to uh to iowa city after it spent a year in ames it was that thievery through the eyes of the hawkeyes that the cyclones uh perpetrated against them last year that apparently Stuck in their minds, stuck in their craw a little bit. Uh, you brought this back from the post game, Owen. Uh, a few players remembered where they were and what they saw a year ago. Yeah, um, I don't know if we want to jump in that sound or you want to yeah. hear my. Yeah, let's 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 listen <laughs> to the players <laughs> first, and then I'll I'll weigh in after that. Um, I mean, last year after the game when they won, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys running over. You know how we swarm off after the game. A bunch of guys running over in, into our swarm and, and, and saying stuff to us, but you know we we want to do it do it as, as a team. Go get that trophy as a team. So we're happy to, to have it back. I mean, like it felt good, like getting it back, cause last year it didn't feel too good, like losing it, and then like the whole team coming on our sideline and our face. I held that grudge for a whole year. We we know how it felt last year. Um, they didn't quite swarm to the trophy, so we're always going to show that we are one team, one unit, and we're going to do it do it together. So, the main reason I think this even got brought up was because what you see right there—that sure. they, after the game, walked over hand in hand to the trophy and wanted to swarm to the trophy—and and it was after that that it kind of got brought up, like those guys, you know, they felt like disrespected us. I I totally had forgotten that uh, that last year after the game there was some extracurriculars going on, like a little bit closer to Iowa's tunnel. There were some shoving matches, people getting pushed around. No, I didn't even remember that, to be honest. I went to the game yeah. last year as a fan, and I someone tweeted it before the game, some Iowa media member, and you saw the Cyclone fans going by the Iowa tunnel, or not fans, Cyclone players, going and just chirping and stuff, which you can do when you win, right? You can chirp. It's, it's part of the game, yeah. a little trash talk. But... Um, I don't think they it took it, you know, they, they all seem to remember it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that Jet Beecham at the time actually got some video of that. I, I was like, what the heck is even happening here? Like, you just saw a lot of pushing and yelling and shoving and stuff, and I don't think there were any, like, consequences that came out of it, no. like anybody suspended or anything like that. But um, there was definitely a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff going on after that game last year. It certainly feels like... Something that happens in the moment, cooler heads prevail, you move on, and then when you get back into that week, that's the stuff that you pull back <laughs> to the forefront. Yeah. Not that, you know, there was talk of, you know, you don't need bulletin board material this week. You don't need little extra insane doesn't hurt. influence uh, 
never hurt. But we do turn the page now. Uh, actually, before we turn the page, we have to look back real quickly because I have morale is so much better for me this week. After before we get week to that, uh, Mitch yeah. is the parade. Uh, I did want to bring up this cool thing. Just a tweet. The kid captain was a name. So usually, the, Crone, yeah. There's a kid captain every game, but usually I'm pretty sure. And this maybe just because it's in Iowa, they don't actually go to the game. They're just you know yeah. honored before the season and whatnot. But he was there. His name's Niall, and uh, Tory Taylor and Logan Lee grabbed him from the the stands, and mm. and he got a like go back to the locker room, I believe. Super, super. Chelsea Brown from KCRG had an awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome video of it. Um, yeah. Just and not to have the cliche line, but like that's what it's all about is yeah. is making memories and doing cool stuff. And yeah. what more can you ask for? Okay. Well, I just wanted to bring that up because yeah. it, it was a cool moment. And uh, awesome. you know, anytime there's a kid named Niall as a Hawkeye fan, you got to yeah. give him a shout yeah. out. There's a kid named Hayden on this team. There's a kid <laughs> named Niall as a kid captain. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's awesome. Now let's talk about me. <laughs> uh, unless we want to know what you got. Sorry, there was one more thing before okay. we start to look back <laughs> and stuff. Uh, going back to the the swarm video there that. Um, first guy that comes out of the swarm and goes and gets the trophy is Joe Evans. I mean, I just thought that, that was such a great moment, too. For he, the to again, again, the numbers weren't crazy for him. He certainly had more impactful stat sheet games, but a dude from Ames who has walked the life he did, again, a, a record-setting quarterback at Ames High School, to come to Iowa, his dad's alma mater, walk on, earn a scholarly, be named a captain, and win in Ames for his final si- Yeah, that's just... It's kind of cool, too, because when you watch the video, we're watching it, if you, you know, streaming it live on YouTube at Iowa's News Now, our, our account. When you watch it, it seems like once Joe starts going, the rest of the team kind of lets him go. Yes. It's a, it's a yeah. really super cool It seemed cool very one. evident that he was the guy that was going to go get it. And even, I mean, he's a captain, so obviously he's going to be at the front of the line before the game. But yeah, it was... Cade and Joe were there arm in arm, the guys that were at the front of the line leading them out onto the field. And then um, even after the game, I think Joe was about the last guy from the Hawkeyes to leave the field. He really was soaking that one in. Soaking in, for sure. And again, not the biggest numbers, but I think Joe Evans might be your your game day MVP if you want to pick things like that, because that was awesome. Now to someone soaking it in right now, uh, (laughs) after going 0-6, I'll just bring up the on a, on our live it's YouTube a stream, folks. It's a marathon. Mitch goes seven and zero oh in the Eye on the Hawks pick them. Six and one is pretty darn yeah, good. Yeah, Owen too. went six and one. Uh, he picked. The, I'll just run down. Uh, Mitch got Kansas minus three, Colorado minus three over Nebraska, Purdue plus three over Virginia Tech, Northwestern plus one and a half over UTEP, Wazoo over Wisconsin plus six and a half, and. Uh, Eastern Michigan, this is the you know good one, plus twenty. They won by or uh, Minnesota by won by nineteen, right? Oh wow! And again, they were and Iowa minus four. In, I think inside the ten or the five with like a minute and a half to go, and didn't score to to go up. So uh, again, that that's real close. Northwestern again fi- finally looked good against. Uh, I'm again, officially Denver. off the Illinois bandwagon, by the way. Wait, <laughs> Illinois, I, they've had a tough opener. I mean, Toledo's probably. Your favorite to win the MAC, Kansas is going to be really good, but yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough road uh, for Illinois so far this year. Uh, I, I was super pleased seeing those come in, at least just knowing knowing what my picks have been. I, I mean, again, it reflects on like I don't know what the heck people were thinking setting that Colorado line at 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 three. It's like, and then the first half was pretty for a while. Yeah, it was close in the first half. It was you know, and then uh, Jeff Sims just turns the ball over twice and. Colorado benefits hugely off that, but it was 0-0 at the end of one, and I hammered the under before, not to toot my own betting horn, but um, yeah, that cleared because it was like 60 points. We talked, about this, we talked about this too of, we, we saw it in Columbus last year with Iowa and Ohio State. A defense can only 
hold off explosiveness for so long, especially if there are turnovers and the offense is not doing something. I mean, Nebraska hung tight, hung tight, and then it was just the floodgates open, and Colorado scored a lot in the in the later parts of the game that really spread out that, that final score. But that, that's a good Nebraska defense there. Quick pull for you two. Sure. Um, right now, would you say Shadur Sanders is Heisman front runner? I think you'd have to. Yeah. Um, you know, Texas there. big win over Alabama. Maybe Quinn, Quinn, U- Quinn Ewers is up there. Um, Caleb Williams has, again, had incredible numbers through two weeks for USC. Yeah. I mean, that was oh, a late true. night game. I, I think the, Pac-12 after dark. I think but. just the media coverage of Colorado, and again, they've got USC in, I think, three weeks. Um, I mean, I think almost Travis Hunter. He, he's Hunter been, was he's, great. He plays both ways. He, I saw a stat somewhere that he already has more interceptions and offensive yards than Jabril Preppers did, and he was a Heisman finalist. Yeah. In an entire season, in two through two games, Travis Hunter almost a little cannibalism between all the the great talent on Colorado. Um, And again, a a dark horse maybe a little bit in the in the race. The reason why I think I I at least convinced you. uh, It sounded like Mike was already leaning that way, but Washington State, Cameron Ward, that kid is is all sorts of special up there in Pullman. Really, really fun to see him thrive. And and Wazoo looking for a home next year. Um, Boy, what what conference wouldn't want a, a cool moment like that in a, they, in a program like that? They said that on college football final again last night, which, it, by the way, is like, for a long time has been maybe my favorite ESPN show in mm-hmm. terms of, like, specialty sports shows. College football final is always so much fun. Great watch at 1 a.m. on a Saturday night. <laughs> it's really know, good but, if you go they, to the game and you don't get a watch. Like, if you go to the Iowa game as a fan, yeah. yeah, you just go home and watch that, and then you're like, oh, okay, now I'm caught up to speed. But, caught up there. But, but they were saying that, like, both Oregon State and Washington State they think are really going to play with a ton of fire this year just because they know like we're the stragglers that are getting left behind in the Pac-12 and they really want to show some this year. A contract year, so to speak. For, <laughs> yeah, for, that's true. For two programs. We do look ahead to week three. I will be hosting Western Michigan at Kinnick 2.30 kickoff on Saturday. A very different Western Michigan team than came in 10 years ago. That was the third game ever for P.J. Fleck in Kalamazoo uh, and one that they've probably pushed out of their memory. I believe the final score was 55 or 56 to 3. B.J. Lowry had two pick sixes. Kevontae uh, Martin-Manley had two punt returns for touchdowns, and that was kind of a swing game for, for Western. They ended up switching Tyler Van Tuber. I covered this uh, Broncos team. That's <laughs> he knows. Uh, that was a bit of a turning point where Zach Terrell started becoming the uh, starter for the Broncos, and things shifted a bit. Very different team, though. Not a lot of leftovers there. Uh, we do know Iowa is going in now. The coaches poll just dropped as we launched the pod. They're 24th in the country, whether that means anything or not. Uh, and the AP poll... Maybe they're they're ranked again, but this is a Western. That comes Michigan out Monday, team. right? The AP on Monday, yeah, That's Monday at eleven or noon, whatever it is. Uh, Western Michigan coming off a forty-eight to seven loss at Syracuse. Western Michigan scored on the second play of the game, seventy-five yard touchdown run, and still trailed forty-five-seven <laughs> at half. So, if you're looking to play catch up on any sort of contractual point levels. Um, we'll see. Iowa's going to be what Iowa is, but we will see what happens there. Thank you for updating the graphic, Mike. Um, Again, they're taking shots and they're they're doing what they can. We'll just let things play out the way it is. An update also on Utah State uh, after their loss at Kinnick to start the year last year. They go and beat uh, oh shoot, who was it? Idaho State. I think Idaho State, State seventy-eight to twenty-eight yesterday, forty-four points in the second quarter. So maybe this is a really again Utah State with sixty new players and all that like. 
We'll, we'll keep an eye on the Aggies. 44 see, points in the second quarter. Which is what Iowa scored in two games. I didn't realize that until I shared that. I wasn't trying to <laughs> slide anything. That's just a lot that's, of points to score in 15 minutes. That's an eight-man caliber that's, yeah. <laughs> point output for one quarter. That's incredible. The Aggies move that's on to Don Bosco in week three. Um, <laughs> but it, it'll be super fun. We'll get way more into to breaking down the final non-con game of the season for Iowa. Uh, obviously coming up on Wednesday when we after we've talked to players and coaches going into the, the Bronco week back at Kinnick Stadium. Final thoughts as we wrap up on uh, Cyhawk 2-0 and what we've seen from Iowa through eight quarters of football. Um, one thing that I would say is if, if there's, again, I mean, we've we got to be happy with uh, 2-0 for a Hawkeye fan. Um, I mean, for, for those of us who would travel with them to a bowl game, you got to be happy with wins <laughs> because that means a better bowl game than we get to travel to. So let's keep those wins coming. Um, the one thing that I would say is at least like in the back of my mind kind of a concern and maybe is for a lot of fans out there is just like first two drives are great. You know, they, they get some points out of the first two drives. First, first quarter itself is, is great for the Hawkeyes, but after that it uh, flattens out a little bit. Um, and uh, is this team, if they need to play a big second half, are they capable of doing that? If this team falls behind, if they don't score in the first quarter and they fall behind, 7 nothing, 14 nothing at halftime. Do they have the horses to make a big push and, and make, a, make something happen in the second half? I mean, that's, that's you know, something we can't answer probably for a while. Probably not going to happen at Western Michigan, but um, something that we're going to have to figure out over the coming weeks, potentially yeah. at Penn State. Yeah, to that point, um, you know, scoring so early and a couple times, um, what happens when Iowa goes down in the first quarter? Right. That's kind of what I'm looking for, S- similar to what you just said. You know, um, Kay talks about facing adversity and he's always happy that they're doing it. Well, they haven't really, haven't trailed at all this year. So what happens when that first time, because it's going to happen, obviously, unless they <laughs> go undefeated and win every game, which probably not going to happen. But um, can the offense move the ball and score when, they, when they're down? That will be one thing that I'm, you know, interested to see probably in a couple weeks at Penn State, maybe. Um, yeah. Sorry, finish. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's basically it. I'm done. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that, I mean, I, I do think that they do have that capacity. I did not have that faith so much the last couple of years, but I think that they've shown the ability to move the ball and to spread things out and take more risks offensively with Kate at quarterback that I, I do have faith that that could happen or there, there is a chance that that could be done effectively this year if, if that time comes and that is a necessity. Yeah, and I think if, if one of those plays, whether it's the – the long one to Seth or the one to, to Nico get that, that gets picked that might be a, a little underthrown or the go to, to Deontay. If one of those hits, there's a little different feeling. I think it, it's, again, you know, the, the big plays off the top, whether it's Jazz with the big run or the big third and short pass to, to Luke, when you get those bigger plays, if you get a few more of those, I think, the or even just one more. Again, I think if that 91-yarder hits and it's a, a 27-point game for, for Iowa, and you got that one big pass play there again, and now you've got back-to-back weeks with Seth having two long touchdown plays. I think maybe the the feeling feels a little better. I think if you connect on just one or two more of those big uh, explosive plays, particularly in the pass game, there's a little better feeling. So maybe there's an opportunity going up against Western Michigan. We don't know anything about spreads or anything like that. We'll certainly make our Big Ten West picks yet again on Wednesday when we have that preview come out uh, we'll record in the afternoon and get that to you hopefully uh, as quickly as that evening but we'll talk to kirk and company on tuesday get you everything else again thanks to everybody who tuned into the youtube live stream everybody who's in the 
uh, chat, mostly Hair Trigger 83, who says he uh, moved to Iowa from the United Kingdom in 1994, really got into Iowa football in 2002. So thanks to him taking up the, uh, the lion's share of the, uh, the chat, but everybody get in there, share everything uh, as we go on these live streams on Sunday. But thanks to everybody who watched and is tuned in and all the support throughout uh, the first month or so of this podcast. It's been really fun to do. And we're almost getting to that uh, into that conference season where the chips are really on the table. So thanks again for everybody's support and for tuning in. For Mike and Owen, I am Mitch. We will see you Wednesday on Eye on the Hawks.